Welcome to Don't Stand on the Footrest. I'm here today with Nick Lella, tattooer and owner of Great Lakes Tattoo off Grand Avenue in Chicago, Illinois. Great Lakes Tattoo holds a very special place in my heart. I've had some amazing memories there, both getting tattooed by hosted guest artists from around the country as well as their all-star lineup of tattooers. Nick and his wife Sarah have created a very unique tattoo shop that hosts art shows and parties as well as upholds some of the rich history in Chicago tattooing. Great Lakes Tattoo has always been a huge inspiration to me as a business owner. It only made sense to have Nick come on and speak about it. Enjoy. Yeah, let's dive right in. Obviously, there's been a ton of, uh, I don't know, there's been a big relationship between barbers and tattooers over the course of time. And I kind of wanted your perspective on why you think that is both historically and kind of why it still seems to be such a tight relationship and why our industries tend to be so tight knit. So like tattooing was always paired with something. Um, there was back in the, like the, the early 1900s and stuff like that, but they were paired with different things in different cities. So like New York is where in the Bowery is where the barber shops and tattoo shops came together that I, that I know of. Um, one specifically, Willie Moskowitz had, a, had a tattoo shop just i think it's just one station in the back like so he'd be cutting hair someone would come in for a tattoo he'd stop cutting hair do the tattoo real quick come back to cutting hair that's awesome and i i don't know how prevalent that was across the country i know the bowery for sure in new york um had it and it was like you know the black eyes made natural i think it was like it was they're both cash businesses i guess everything was cash business back then but like they had like kind of you know aesthetic uh similarities and then you know there was this little extra like barbers made a little extra doing tattoos i don't think it was a tattoo shop ever with the barber shop i always think the tattoo shop was just, just like the extra guy in the back or the other booth you know like that um the guy was a barber and a tattooer well and i i, I might be totally wrong on this but i remember reading something somewhere where was it back in like the uh either the 40s or the 60s remember Whenever tattooing was like outlawed in New York City due to hepatitis, um, like Coney Island or something, a lot of tattooers were tattooing out of the back of barbershops because tattooing was pretty much outlawed by the city. So is there like truth that, to that? That I don't know. I've never oh, okay. heard that. I mean, it could make sense. Like that that totally like would fit the fit the picture, but I don't know if that's true or not. That would be like they didn't, I think they outlawed in 61 in New York. Okay. Because in 63 in Chicago, they changed the age from 18 to 21. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't remember what decade it was, but I can't remember where I read that. If it was, I don't know if it was in one of those Dietzel books or where I read that, I don't remember. But um, I was just curious if that ever had any truth to it or, but I thought, yeah, you know, I don't maybe know about that. Kind of, Sorry, what were you going to say? Yeah, I don't know about them working out of out of the back, like on the lamb or anything like that, you know, just so they wouldn't get caught. But I, I that I don't know of. Possible. Yeah. I don't know. It seems to me like, I don't know, like you, you said about cash business, it's just like a lot of service and labor. And I think we've always kind of worked with similar clienteles. And like, you, it's kind of a good point you brought up oh, is that we're kind of in similar areas too, you know? Um, yeah, and it's it's set up the same way. It's like you know, there's a bunch of booths. You know, in a, in a modern tattoo shop, it's the same way now. Um, you know, there's some similarities. Is like there's a rotation if you're doing walk-ins or like yep. you know, barbers tend to do walk-ins or tend to do appointments only. They don't really mix them up too much. Yeah. Um, 
that type of thing. And at one time it was like, you know, the barber shop was, I mean, everyone got a haircut, but it was just like a regular utilitarian thing. Same thing with tattooing. It was kind of like on the seedier side and like, uh, you know, that out of the, out of the mainstream thing. But now both of them have turned into like elite status stuff where, you know, you're getting like designer haircuts and, you know, design, you know, you got your tattoo guy that you fly in for your, your cool guy tattoo. <laughs> and you guys have been doing, is it just you or the whole shop doing walk-ins only on Saturdays? I've, I've noticed that like, I think Scott has been doing that one, one day a month or something in San Francisco. And it, I kind of like this whole idea of bringing walk-ins back because it's such a historical thing. And we tried doing that when we opened Rosemont was like, cause we're in a marketplace. So we thought the foot traffic would be like just slammed because most of the marketplaces in Denver, um, I have a ton of foot traffic through them, but I think most of them have way more food and Bev and service than the one that we're in. Um, so it didn't really work out for us, but we were going to do walk-ins only on the weekends thinking we'd have all this foot traffic. So how is that working for you guys? And it's kind of a cool concept. So are you only doing it like one day a week or is it kind of like, are you only taking walk-ins or? Me personally, I only, I only take walk-ins. I went back to walk-ins like, a, I don't know, like 18 months ago, something, something like that, maybe a year ago. Yeah. It's, I, I guess it's, it, it blew people's minds when I posted that I was going to do only walk-ins. Like I didn't think it was that big of a deal because that's what I came from was only walk-ins. Like totally. it wasn't like, <clears throat> there was like an option, you know, like it was, you just came in and picked and then you were done. Yeah. Um, so for, and then we, most of the shop, there's a couple people that only do appointments, uh, but most of the shop on Saturdays is walk-in. So, nice. and that's kind of like, that's really picked up speed, like lines out the door type of stuff. That's awesome. Cause like, um, but to me, it's, like, sorry, what no, you no, no, I was just saying, it's like, to me, that's just a regular way to get tattooed, but a lot of people, yeah. it's, it's, it's novel. You know what I mean? I'm just like, I don't know. I would just, if you want to get tattooed, just go in and get tattooed. Don't call and email and DM and back and forth and back exactly. and forth. And, you know, it's like, so if it's, I got time, then I'll tattoo you. Yeah. And I mean, there's, that's the thing. It's like, oh, you know, we don't have time right now. And someone has, someone has to, might wait for an hour or two, but like, that's the beauty. It's like, there's so much to see at the shop and there's so much just to kind of the hangout and the environment and the vibe and everything. Like, it's a fun time to wait it's not some and i mean of course there's so much around the area if you want to grab a bite or grab a drink or something like that but right yeah it's the so shop funny. is set up so you don't leave you know yeah I mean? it's it's just funny like how both of our industries got so they, they came historically from walk-ins and then now it's so appointment based and you're right it's the idea of going back to walk-ins to a lot of people business owners and just the regular clientele freaks them out and it's just insane to me because it's kind of what we all did for centuries. Yeah, but you're, you know, some people can't do, you know, some people just, their work doesn't allow them to do that or totally. whatever. Or some people want their, want their money lined up for the week. And that's the thing. It's like the walk-ins, like if you're going to do walk-ins, which is awesome, then you have to live and die by it. You have to live by the 18 tattoos in a day or the zero day. I mean, that's the shit that just happens. Totally. Um, I think that's why I like we... The, why we stopped was just like you said it was just kind of having that consistent money knowing everything having your week planned out and everything like that but man I just really wanted to bring back the walk-in thing even if it was one day a week just because like everything else it's trying to have this balance of where we came from what in our case barbering used to be and kind of upholding some of the traditions 
of times past with making it more modern into the, you know, and taking it into the 21st century. But there's beauty in like paying homage to like where it came from. And I really, really wanted to kind of work in a walk-in system with us that could have been done correctly. There's so many shops that, you know, corporate chains that try to do this walk-in thing and balance that in appointments. And I've worked there and that doesn't work. And I tried walk-ins only, which can work great, but not for everybody. And I thought this hybrid thing could work really well. So I'm, it's cool to hear that. I don't know it for you guys, it's working and it's, you're kind of doing it in an interesting way. Like you're just doing walk-ins. Yeah. Most, most of those guys, most everybody will do walk-ins and appointments you know so the appointments and they'll filter and walk-ins in between them or before after them but i um but like the traditional walk-in people like oh you just do traditional stuff i was like no when you do walk-ins it's not like they're walking in and everyone's getting a panther and a pinup girl and a heart and a rose and all that bullshit like people are getting like traditional tattoos or your walking guy is like you're getting little noodly stuff that my old eyes shouldn't be seeing (laughs) <laughs> and like this stuff that like it's a whole different game but that's the walk-in tattooer yeah uh or what i believe is the walk-in tattooer like if you're gonna do that then do it comes in the line don't jump in the rotation don't cherry pick the list and just yeah. muscle through it you know yeah, I mean, some people don't want to waste their time with that which is fine that's cool that's just I'm, I'm more comfortable working that way but the versatility behind that is so cool to me you know it's not knowing what you're going to get next and it might be something it's not in the, you know, not the bread and butter, not the kind of the usual thing or where the artist focuses on. But again, that there's a, there's a need for a lot of versatility there. And to me, that just makes a more well-rounded practitioner. And that's just how I try to live. That's how I try to like have Rosemont, all of our guys be is very well-versed in everything, unless it's like totally off the wall, goofball shit. But for not just being one trick ponies you see like the side part on everybody and it's for i mean now it's starting to change a bit but it was like that's just like so many shops that i know it's like that's all they can friggin' do is like a slick back or a side part and it's like there's so much more to cutting hair than that well yeah i mean there's a, there's a lot more to tattooing than that it's, totally. it's, it's a lot more to tattooing than just like it's awesome to have this one thing and then like all your focus on that one thing it's that's great but i can't me personally, I can't do that. Yeah. I, like, I don't have this great need to have a body of work, which some tattooers do now. Like, they want to have this body of work that shows their work. I just want to do tattoos. That's it. Like, I just want to do the tattoos. I don't care if it's your design or my design or that guy's design. I don't give a shit. Like, I just want to do the tattoos. Yeah. Like, the whole body of work, the whole art, uh, this this thing that drives drives this body of work it's super impressive and i wish i could do that but i i can't so i'll just do tattoos i could how was covid was it pretty pretty it was brutal. weird i mean we're yeah we were shut for three months yeah. and then we were point only for a year and then once we started taking walk-ins it's been absolutely bananas it's, nice. it's been a year and i'll be i'm coming up on a year of only you know just walk-ins or whatever else it's nuts so how, after the shutdown, when you guys first got back to it, how was that? Was it, it was weird? Yeah. Um, no, I don't know if it was, it was weird because it was, so it was appointment only. I put a buzzer on the door, so you had to buzz, they had to buzz in. 
uh, and only come by yourself, yep. no one else, which was awesome. That was the, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and then like, when you, if you only had one appointment at 1230, then you left afterward. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, it was super like a appointment studio, yeah. which was, uh, and then once it was back open, it's been, it was great. Like that's, you know, and now it's fully wide open, you know, yeah. and now it's fantastic. Was it busy after yeah, the shutdown or were there a lot of people kind of apprehensive to get tattooed and be that close to somebody for that amount of time? We were, we were see, we were super strict on it. Exactly. So people so were, we. uh, they were, they were, they were way into it. Like the people yeah. who were way into it were way into it. And the people who weren't into it, I can give a fuck. But like, yeah. that's it. Like we were, so a lot of people sought us out because we were Taking it serious super and particular about how we did, yeah, about how we did things. It was the exact same for us. I, I was more just curious because when we, what we noticed was after the shutdown, we opened the books. Once we knew what day we were coming back, uh, we were shut down for two months in Denver. We shut down a little early because at the time it was, what, 15 days to flatten the curve. So I remember yeah. messaging other barbershops in other states saying, hey, this is before you know, anyone was mandated to shut down. And I remember messaging them saying, hey, I think it's smart to shut down now. I don't want to tell you what to do. But like as barbers and working so close to the public, you know, I think it's smart for us to set a precedent and, you know, personal, um, just kind of like public, uh, you know, health and safety. Let's shut down so we can get past the shit in 15 days. So we shut down early, which was in hindsight, a huge mistake because I didn't expect it to be two months. But then when we came back, we opened, we opened it like a, I don't know, four or five days after everybody else, just to see how the first few days would go with everyone else, all the other shops in Denver um and when we opened the books i remember we were booked out solid for two months within the first i think hour hour and a half of opening the books which was crazy but the problem we had was that we were super slammed for those two months and then and then everyone got their haircut yes everyone was on the on the same haircut schedule for the first time probably in human history because (laughs) there's never been another thing i mean maybe the spanish flu is kind of similar where but i don't i mean you saw the photos. There's people cutting hair outside in the Spanish flu. It wasn't like this where they just weren't getting haircuts from at least what I know. Uh, and so it was pretty, a pretty unique situation. And I was kind of curious if the workflow had changed like that for you guys at all, but it no, sounds it like it was trickled. Like, it yeah. trickled that, you know, people made their appointments and, and, and got in. And then I guess after that first big rush of everyone who was waiting for yeah. months and like all the rebooks and then it was slammed and then it kind of got, a little bit of a lull and then we got into a rhythm of, yeah it was like that know, initial kind of wave like and then it kind of like yeah after the you know a couple of peaks and valleys it started to level out it's it, that happened same thing with us for like i don't know probably six eight months it totally leveled back out and everyone was back on their schedule and everyone was you know on different schedules which was good um right right, right i was right. kind of curious how that was and yeah say you know speaking on what you just mentioned we were so unbelievably strict with how we did things when we came back from the shutdown that we, same thing, we had new clients seek us out because we had everything on the website, how we do things. And for some people, you know, you know how there's plenty of people out there that saw that and they're like, you saying shit, fuck these people. I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not doing this shit for them. Fuck it. And we're like, cool, don't come in. Because yeah, there's like it's, 80% it's, of people in here are really worried about COVID. And we're all doing these. We had everything from organized chairs in a waiting area outside of the shop to the, it was just. Yeah, the whole deal. Yeah, it was insane. It's but, like, you know, you're working with the public. You got to make them comfortable and, and feel safe. Yeah, and absolutely. 
you're not going to lose any clients from, you know, the people, you're not going to lose clients for being overly safe, but you'll lose clients for not being safe enough, you know? Sure. Of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It wasn't, to me, it was like getting everything in order and protocols was a pain in the ass. The mask is like, whatever. I don't give a shit. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's oppressive. It's not oppressive. It's just inconvenient. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, it's not that bad. It's not a big deal. No, it's not at all. So I always ask, what's like the most humbling experience you've had tattooing or as a business owner, something that kind of shaped you and kind of, you know, kind of kicked your ass in, in a little bit. I'm not sure if shapes, but like the last couple of years, I've been having a real hard time on my hands. Really? Like, well, I couldn't, I could, yeah, I had to have surgery on my hands um, and I couldn't tattoo the way I usually do. So like I was trying to like, find all this you know like going to rotary machines going to pen machines doing all this stuff and like it really not it really weighed on me like what if i can't do this anymore yeah um so to me that was like it changed me a lot i believe in my attitude towards people going through shit yeah um and like it was it was a pretty scary couple of years trying to get this thing sorted out without you know trying different meds and therapies and all this other stuff and finally just like all right man doing the surgery and be like yeah there's like a 95 percent chance it's perfect and i'm like or whatever it was and I'm yeah like, okay well hopefully i'm not going to fall in that fiber and Seriously. you know like get it through so now that it, that's passed and over i feel much lighter sarah thinks i feel much lighter you know so um yeah those, that really I mean, it was weird it's like I, I don't know what else i would do like i couldn't do anything else What got you into tattooing in the first place? I got into tattooing through like, you know, all my like punk rock idols all had tattoos yeah. and like tough guys in the neighborhood had tattoos and I just thought they were cool. And I was, you know, like 15 or 16 and I was like, I don't want to get tattooed. Yeah. Um, it was not, not like, you know, people like, oh, you always want to be a tattooer. Like, no, I wanted to be, a, you know, shortstop of the Cubs or whatever, you know, that type of thing. Like, Oh, it wasn't like the option that it is now. It's weird, like talking to kids who are like, "Oh, I've I've uh, I've watched your tattoo since I was 12 years old," and they're like, "What? What are you talking about? Like, it's so bizarre." Um, but then I met I met a guy named Wayne Baruki. I was messing with tattooing when I was like 19. <clears throat> I met a guy named Wayne Baruki, and he pretty much changed my life. He uh, he had worked at Chicago Tattoo, and he was like the in for me. Like I told him I was fucking around tattooing and like, he was like the coolest guy I'd ever seen. Like I thought he was the best. Um, and you know, he was like, you should come around the shop. And like, wait, I'm familiar with Chicago tattooing because like when we were younger, we all hung out in that neighborhood, but not to like, every time we went in there and we were kids, they just kicked us out, you know? Yeah. So when this guy's like, yeah, come on by. So I started hanging out there for intently for a long time like just at the at the counter and just watching him tattoo from what I could and um starting to get familiar with a few other guys that were there Dale the owner and, and yeah. things like that and I was super familiar with the neighborhood so it was great to go down there every day I love seeing all these people and everything and then like you know I can go in this tattoo shop and like when they're closed like I'm still here like they don't kick me out you know yeah. that type of thing um so then I just eventually worked my way into there um learning from Wayne, learning from Dale. And that was it. Like I was at, at 
you know, 20 years old, I was like, cool, I'm found out what I'm doing. I'm done. Uh, and that was it. I never left. Yeah. So were you tattooing at Chicago Tattoo Company that whole time or were you somewhere else prior to that? No, I was I tattooed out of my house for a little bit. Yeah. Just trying to figure out what the hell was going on, tattooing, yeah. you know, neighborhood kids. And then it was hanging out at Chicago Tattoo. Yeah. So did you do like an apprenticeship with them or, you know, back then was it kind of? It was different. It was because yeah. I was already doing stuff on my own so they were like Wayne was like hey man you can't do that you have to do this like he was kind of showing me as I'm going yeah but not not in the shop at first and then once I was in there uh just watching them like all the time not tattooing out of my house none of that stuff yeah you know, nothing just, like, really just kind of yeah then and then they showed me needles and ink and Wayne, Wayne was the guy who just introduced me to all that stuff it, like it like I just put a picture up of him, me and him, like his first art show we went to. And I was like, man, that guy, he did it for me. That's awesome. When did you start working at uh, Chicago Tattoo Company? Was there any shop in between or was it pretty much just no, like? No, it was Chicago Tattoo for 19 years. Damn. It was like straight through. Yeah, which is so cool. Cause I mean, obviously you've become quite this like tattoo historian in a way and working at a shop with so much Chicago tattoo history must have been awesome. And how did that kind of mold you into having such an interest in the history? Um, Cause obviously you have that huge chest at Great Lakes with, you know, super old machines and super rare things. And obviously you have, uh, is the Instagram page Chicago tattoo history? Is that what it's called? Chicago, yeah, Chicago tattoo yeah. history. I mean, you have that, it's like, I just think that that's all so cool. And how, like, how did you basically get into that and kind of digging deeper and deeper and deeper into that um i don't know i don't want to call it like an obsession but like how did no you... no 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 it is like i you know, say like i'm chasing these ghosts all the time like these <laughs> are all these all these dudes like it's um it was from being at chicago tattoo because it, that i i would pay i started paying attention to like dale would talk about cliff who yeah. started chicago tattoo and then or he started cliff raven studios and then dale came in they made chicago tattoo and then there's all this flash in the wall. It was mostly what well, was 98% Dale and Cliff. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I learned the tattoo off of. And I didn't really get any of it for the first bunch of years. Like, I, I don't know. Like, yeah. I thought all those designs that Cliff did were his designs. Like, he had made those. And then when I'd see him somewhere else, I'd be like, man, that guy ripped off Cliff. Like, that's crazy. And I'd be like, oh. And then Dale would be like, no, no, no. It's like, there's this thing, you know? It's like... Yeah these people are influenced by the ones who came before them. And I started paying more attention to that. And like being at Chicago Tattoo, there's a lot of old timers that came in all the time, like old timer tattoo collectors. Yeah. Because at one time that was the only shop in the city. So that's the name association they know. Yeah. And then um, there's just old stuff everywhere. Like Dale's machines were old and this was Cliff's and this was Buddy's and this, you know, this was at 900 Belmont and this was yeah. at their second location. So it was like a lot of that. I started putting that together um and with wayne he collected tattoo machines at the time so he was real into these old tattoo machines so i like i was able to get old you know told me where to get an old tattoo machine mm -hmm. like i bought my first jonesy from greg may up in wisconsin like little stuff like that you know so it just really piqued my interest and i think it it, it wasn't as elusive back then yeah we just didn't we just didn't think anything was around because all the old timers would tell us all that stuff is gone yeah. So how have you gotten a lot of the stuff that's pretty unbelievably rare? <laughs> how did yeah. you 
kind of one find out about I'm just no, the more detailed stuff that like I have never been exposed to at all except from you like yeah. how did you how do you find this stuff out how did you get this deep dive into you know everything off state street and getting some of the machines in your collection that right who would have known or still exist you know what I mean yeah I mean it's just it's like you're you have a network of all these people who are doing yeah. the same thing you know people who are looking for the same stuff kind of run into each other and I'm like a super low-level player in that whole like I've like Chicago I'm I'm dialed in on for yeah. the most part I mean there's a lot of stuff out there but um I'm a super low-level collector guy so like the the big heads come up with stuff all the time like they find stuff and then like I'm lucky that a lot of the stuff I got people had the, Hey man, that should go back to Chicago. You should call Nick. He'd be into that. Like that happens a lot. And I'm super thankful for that type of thing. And then you have to realize like, sometimes you can't have it all. And so, you know, some, some of it goes, I just try and keep a, a decent, um, a decent Chicago collection. I think that stuff should be back there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty similar, not in the bar ring sense of like, big names necessarily but obviously there's tons of bar vintage barber stuff that's from early 1900s to mid-century sure. stuff that is like i mean i think isaac has a bunch of old stuff i mean i know greg does that old dog it's there's so many guys that have these old pieces that you're shocked are still standing and they're very rare and they're very well sought after and i just I, it's, it's just another similarity to me about how cool it is like that level of history being upheld still to this day um yeah i mean it's it's cool. It's like, it's like those, they were professions that weren't really, I mean, maybe, I mean, barbering, I think was obviously more accepted than tattooing was, but they were just like, I mean, now with all the social media and all this attention and everybody's got their own products and this and that, yeah. it was cool that to me, like those guys. And like I've said before, like, I don't fantasize that they were like some kind of angelic, you know, tattooers that did all this stuff right they were dirt bags in a dirt bag business like it was a different world but like they just went to work and they like did their tattoos and then left and just yeah. like barbers like you, you went to barber shop and you cut hair and then you went home to your family yeah i mean that's just how it is and that even helps me even more with the walk-in stuff like i feel better about that like i can come home and just do my thing and if i gotta take a day off like i didn't tell anybody i was gonna be there like you know what i mean like yeah i could leave and that's it i think as i've gotten older i i value that more yeah so how did the interest in like the historical side of things really start was it just kind of like a natural progression and you just slowly yeah it was definitely it was a natural progression and slowly just became like this obsession about it and then it was like about <clears throat> like the neighborhood because yeah. that neighborhood in Chicago is no longer there. Like I wanted to see what the neighborhood was like. I wanted to, I wanted pictures of like the stores and inside the stores and, and what it was like. So then it was like all this state street stuff, like Stan Van Buren photographs and like newspaper clippings about stuff that happened down there and interviews or any of that stuff. So like, I, I wanted to get like this full picture of the area that I could never see because the, where the library is now um so yeah it's just like a lot of like chicago historical trips and harold washington library trips and all these things and like you know 
talking to people I don't want to talk to just because I know they know a couple things about something I want to hear about. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, you got to dance with the devil sometimes. Obviously, you're at Chicago Tattoo Company for 19 years. I want to talk about Great Lakes. It's been a huge source of inspiration to me, opening Rosemont and just everything you guys do and just the shop and what you and Sarah have done is just, it's so stunning. Um, opening a business is hard as hell. You can tell the people that do it because there's something to show, to prove, to just execute some sort of passion or idea. Um, sure. And personally, I see that a ton in Great Lakes. What, what was kind of your inspiration? Why did you open Great Lakes Tattoo? What was your kind of vision behind it? What was the idea behind it? And all, you know, why did you do it? Um, we opened Great Lakes Tattoo because my tenure at Chicago Tattoo had was ending. It should have probably ended a few years beforehand. I should have went out of my own before I did. Um, but I left. I always thought I was going to be at Chicago Tattoo forever. And then yeah. when I realized that wasn't in the, in the cards of me taking it over, like I had to go. Like my, we had a young family. Me and my wife were just like, all right, this doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. So, um, I'm like, well, I mean, the next logical thing would be to open up shop. And yeah. I just wanted to open up like this institution in Chicago to showcase this, this tattooing and this history and everything else. But I don't know how to do that. Like, I know how to do tattoos. Yeah. That's, that's it. Like, my wife from day one just made all, she was pretty much like, um, what do you want to do? I was like, I just want to tattoo. Like, okay, cool. And that's what we'll set it up for you to do. And like took it over, took like the business and uh, the financial and all that stuff way farther and did way more than I ever could have. And that's how we still run the shop. Like she takes care of the back end and I take care of upstairs and like we run it that way. But like if it was just me, I'd just have like a two man shop and some rented place, you know, to do my, <laughs> to do my thing. Cause I don't know how to do all the stuff that she does. Yeah. So did Sarah plan a lot of the, you know, like when you did the Dietzel event and I'm trying to think of all, I mean, you guys did so many events the first couple of years you guys were open um, and all the charitable stuff that you guys have done. It's, I, you know, I definitely take a lot of uh, plays out of your guys' playbook when we first started Rosemont because it was clearly worked very well for you guys to start building just the local community hype and kind of, yeah. like, hey, we're here. This is what we do please be a part of it. And, you know, I think it's kind of this cool grassroots marketing where it's, you're not doing Google ads and all this shit. It's, it's getting kind of to the community in a very organic and very blunt way. And, and when I say community, I don't even just mean the people that live in that neighborhood. I mean, you had people traveling for the walk-up classics from, I mean, shit all over the world. Ross Nagel was here from Ireland. Right. Like everybody came, right? Right, right, right. It yeah. was huge for the tattoo community. It was huge for the clientele, um, tattoo collectors. I mean. I, it was just so impressive and it was so fun for me to be a part of because it was all these tattooers that I really wanted to collect a tattoo from, but didn't really have the means to travel across the country or world to go get them all the time. You guys brought them to me and that was like, or us as collectors. It was so awesome. Yeah. Um, and so speak on that a little bit and some of the, like, the events that you guys did and what the thought process behind it was. Obviously it was pushing a lot of the, the historical significance of tattooing and stuff. Um, educating the public and then bringing a lot of other cool tattooers in and doing these huge events. Um, 
So what was kind of like the thought process behind that and like the original kind of marketing the shop and doing all these things? Well, originally, like we came up on the tattoo shop, but like the space itself, we were always looking for a tattoo shop with something above it. So if we had guests, they could stay up there. Yeah. Well, this came with a, you know, just like two floors. So we took yeah. the one, the bottom half and made it like a gallery space. Yeah. And then the, you know, the tattoo shops upstairs and we had this huge space, but the space didn't, we didn't need the space. So we could do whatever we wanted with the space. We could give the space to anybody who we wanted in the neighborhood who needed it. Like it yeah. could be that, communal space and I because that neighborhood is an old neighborhood still like I didn't know how the neighbors would be with a tattoo shop I didn't know any of that stuff so we all kind of were just like we're here like come on by like made friends with the coffee guys and the hardware store guys and the bakery yeah. and all this other stuff being like because that's how I think that like if you're a business in a community that's how I feel that you should exactly treat that community like totally. you're part of that community yep. and being part of the community with a tattoo shop in that neighborhood they were like oof all right well okay like you're nice and your family's nice so let's see what happens and then yeah. you know obviously it's such a staple in the neighborhood now yeah um but like but those early events it was we all were getting together it was me and sarah and allison and the guys at the shop and whoever we want to do like the diesel thing was a big deal we do stuff um just different gallery shows you know with mike all and like you know just all these different tattoos and it was just a cool space that People could show off their stuff and like then you have this whole local tattoo scene could come and and check it out like i just i've always wanted it to be that like hub of tattooing yep um and it's just it was just a cool thing to do it's a cool thing to come from chicago tattoo where i was i mean i was uh, like a rough 90s tattooer and like open up this beautiful place to be like anybody who wants to come by come by which like is everything like the history of your city is here yes I mean, the history of your city is that chicago tattoo bottom line like not nobody be tattooing if it wasn't for cliff and what dale did in the early 70s like they like they set the standard for that after that like i just collected so much stuff like if people wanted to know about their history in that city here it is yeah so i always wanted people to come by and just look at stuff because I mean, I look at it all the time. It's fantastic. I love being in there when no one else is in there. It's just me and the stuff. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. very, very cool. I, I want other tattooers and other people to, to see that. Totally. I, I remember some of the events being surprised at the different type of people that I saw. One, every event was always packed to the gills. And it was always, you would see guys dudes in suits to just, you know, people that you expect to be there, you know, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was like, it was a very diverse crowd. There was like these like art collector dudes that I just, to me, that were kind of more on the fine art side of things, not necessarily interested in tattooing. I mean, I had a guy come up to me as if I worked at Great Lakes and started asking me questions and like, I asked these guys, not me. Yeah, yeah. He was asking me, I think, was it, did, I can't remember, did you guys do an Ed Hardy event or maybe it was, no, did it, had uh, art DeVita. Was that still at CTC that that was happening? I forgot. That was when he was at CTC. We did a DeVita event. That might have been it. Mm -hmm. And it was either that or, I don't remember. It was one of them. But someone came up to me and was just like, he was probably in his like, I don't know, early 60s. And he's like, what's the significance of this guy? And I was like, what? Why are you asking me? <laughs> you know, but I think. Yeah, for sure. I, I was in line for a drink. And I think he just 
was curious, but like the fact that he had no clue and he was at an event with such incredible art and something so special to so many people, but came in so blind to it, to me was so cool. Cause it exposed this guy to something that he knew nothing about. And the, the best part is that he felt comfortable enough to walk in the door. And there's so many yeah. cool guy tattoo shops that you feel very intimidated walking into. The same happens in barbershops. And you've spoke about it on Instagram plenty of times. It drives me nuts about some barbershops. The cool guy shit is just stupid. Everyone is welcome. And I just, that's the kind of space that Great Lakes has. It's so welcoming. It's so pretty. It has this warmth to it that people can come in. Again, off the street, art fans, not knowing anything about that art that's in that space at that time. Sure. Not only feel comfortable walking in the door, but then talking to random younger people about it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, How yeah. many places do you feel comfortable going into and being like, I'm going to ask the dumbest question to like a random person. You would never, sure. there's not a lot of places that kind of like harbor an environment where you can feel comfortable kind of going from the very bottom of the barrel and just being like, yeah, well, why we'll special, you know? So sure. I, it just, it brought in so many different kinds of unique people that, I mean, you never know, might turn into clients and that's something at Rosemont. Well, that's what it was. Yeah. You know, I wanted, I wanted people to be able to come into the tattoo shop who would never not would not normally come into the tattoo shop yes because there's there's still i don't I mean i don't even know if anymore would pay attention but like if there's still that stigma back then it was almost 10 years ago whatever nine years ago like i just wanted people to be able to be like oh i there's a cool place there whether it was a tattoo shop or not like oh i saw some cool stuff oh yeah and they do tattoos i thought and everyone was really nice and it was cool and whatever and it just feels like a safe you know. space it's like Again, you, you go into some of these, I don't know, back in the day, some of these shops, and if you if you didn't act like you belonged and you asked a couple ignorant, stupid questions or or just like didn't really know, a lot of times you just get like shouted out or just ignored because you just were just kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. a newbie, you know? And whether you have a full body suit or like one tattoo, you're gonna be treated the yeah, same way. And like to me, yeah. I don't know. I like I said, I've modeled a lot of Rosemont and how you and Sarah and the rest of the guys have like done Great Lakes. And I actually, I wanted to bring this up. Me and Sean, our manager had a funny, uh, funny joke. Cause I often think about like, what would Nick do in this situation? Oh, and there was, there was uh You'd ask Sarah. That's what Nick would do pretty much. <laughs> it was, it was kind of funny. Cause you know, like the barbershop pole, there's that top globe on some of the poles, right? It's like that ceramic. Yeah. Well, lights up. Well, a lot of the older poles, it was kind of rare, but had like stained glass that would say barber, and they're all handmade, super expensive, super stunning, but they're all stained glass, so not many of them exist anymore. Somebody, um, I think she's in Mississippi, I just found out is replicating them and making like just redoing them, making them from hand, all of this stuff. And I, of course, I asked her, you know, like, oh, dude, what if I got one that said Rosemont, you know, did all this. And uh, I was telling Sean how much it costs, which I was kind of surprised it wasn't more because her work is amazing. But I was just like, I laughed. I was like, I don't know, Sean. I, I think we need this, man. He's like, you're so fiscally like conservative with certain things. But when it comes to shit like this, you just like blow money out. And I was like, but like, yeah. I don't know. Would Nick do it? And he laughed. Yeah. And I was just like, <laughs> to me, it's like, it's a repop, but it's like a, a form of, it's, it's a piece of history, but it's also customized. And I was like, if there was like a tattoo version of this, or something that was like related to the shop or 
anything like that. Yeah. Would Nick buy something like this for Great Lakes? And I was like, of course he would. So I just, yeah, of course. I had to pull the trigger and get on her wait list because I just thought it was so funny. I, yeah, I told my buddy the other day, I was like, hey man, if you can't find cool stuff, have cool, if you can't find cool old stuff, have cool new stuff made. Like, whatever. Totally. Like, and I think that same day you, you posted uh, that giant banner or poster. Yeah, from Dudley Prey. Yeah. And it was like this, it was ironic. I think you posted that maybe a few hours after me and Sean were talking right. about it. And I was like, see, this is, if it's cool and it's going to bring some level of significance or visual aesthetic or some education or just it furthers almost the culture, I mean, if, you know? Yeah, it furthers like, yeah, it's like, it's small things. Like I've always, I've always wanted to walk through the, through state. I want to walk through State Street. Like I could, obviously I could never do that at that time. So, you know, I, I had the miniature made of Pat's tattoo shop. So like, I yeah. could look at that thing and like, I could see that from, the, not a picture of it. Like I could see it from the outside. Granted, it's tiny, it's rad as hell. Um, but it's like, that's the stuff that I want. You know, that's the cool stuff. Like I, I, the, it's, the, it's little things like that, that are, that are rad. Even like not, even like not tattoo related, like the hot dog side, like the, the, the celebrity sausage sign, like stuff like that. So Chicago and Doug's red. And it's, it's like cool to have that in that. Show. It like brings that kind of hot dog thing to the shop. Like it's cool. Well, that was something actually I was thinking about this morning too, was I was just brainstorming like other things that are kind of similar between the industries and hand paint and signs. Obviously you guys have a ton yeah, of homes. I mean, yeah, I think there's a reason why we have so much hand paint and stuff that rolls on too is because again, um, one of those what would Nick do moments, but there's so much beautiful hand-painted stuff um, and just sign painting in Great Lakes everywhere you look. I mean, if there's not flash to look at, there's some something that was painted either by a sign painter or another artist or another tattooer. There's just, no matter where you look, there's something beautiful to look at, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's what I wanted, but it's also like a, it's like a combination of all these tattoo shops that I've been in. Like all of them, like all the cool stuff that I saw, all you know, every one of my friends' shops and like the coolest shops and you know, Toronto and London and all this stuff. Like I just want to bring every because we're there all the time. Just like you, you're at the shop a lot. Yeah. Me and the guys are at the shop a lot. I want it to be a reflection of all the cool shit that tattooing is. Now that it's even more more popular, more mainstream, people could be like, oh yeah, that's it's like the old carny thing that that, that was brought into the tattoo shop and now it's mainstream like all those things like it came from these old timers yeah i think what's special is like every time you you know you might go in and get you know a docking like flash piece and then not really understand any significance about it but you'll leave probably knowing a bit of history and why it's significant kind of where that original image might have started and why it got tweaked here and why this artist back in the day did this with it or you know it's like you leave with this bit of culture and like lesson you know what i mean with every yeah yeah i think it's yeah i think it's cool it's like all like all this cool stuff that i want people to see it's like in my station on the walls where they sit for a reason like if i turn them around and i'm tattooing their right arm they're going to be looking left and there's a whole bunch of johnson flash people ask me about that flash all the time because that's what they're looking at so then you get to talk about that stuff yeah. you know little stuff like that is cool yeah it's, and it's cool that people want to hear about it what were some shops or it doesn't even have to be tattoo shops but like what was some inspiration between like behind some of the design of great lakes tattoo and 
like you said before, you kind of wanted the two levels to maybe do a gallery or just have space for other artists, stuff like that. But was it all kind of, was some of that, most of the inspiration drawn from other tattoo shops or was some of it drawn from, um, I don't know for me personally, it's like hotels, uh, even restaurants, tattoo shops. I get inspiration everywhere. Right. I mean, I, yeah, I get inspiration, but a lot of it, like the stripe wall is definitely, it's a nod to the, to the arcades on State Street, like 414 where Tats is at. Like that whole wall was painted that same color, so that type of thing. But like the main, and there, I mean, there's little things, little Chicago things here and there. Um, but really, the main inspiration was the Pearl Harbor gift shop in Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, Blackheart, uh, in San Francisco, and like those were like the two big influences. I'm like how everything's like the, the size of the stations and the half walls and yeah to me the, the to me the pearl in san francisco is the the best tattoo shop ever like uh Glenny and bill crush it there's there's nothing better than that to me again thanks for uh chatting for hey, a while. of course of course um, man and, let me know uh, when everything's all set up and you know oh totally I'll have allison put it out and everything sweet awesome man